Welcome to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week, we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube channels for both CHHA, 1610 AM, and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show by visiting either of SoundCloud.com or iTunes podcasts under Mediation Station in the Arts area. Please follow us at our Twitter account, at Fenton Mediation. Our topic tonight is called Diverse Forms of Expressing and Connecting with our visitor, Vanita Puri. Welcome to the program, Vanita. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming here. <laughs> and you, you, I see you brought a little posse with you. Yes, I did. You brought the, your support. My support system. It's everything to me. Absolutely. I can see that. So this is your first time on the program. Yes, it is. How would you define the work you do as a professional? So my profession is I'm a registered social worker, and I'm a family mediator, coach, and consultant. The work that I do is more than just a profession for me. It is my passion. It's my life's work. Um, What I love to do is, as a social worker, we look at not just an individual's um, psychological barriers, but also their social and environmental barriers, as well as protective factors that influence the way in which they are able to function. And so as a therapist and as a coach and as a mediator, I help people to make sense of their lives, to identify and explore the things that affect them the most and find community resources and things that will help them to be able to live a full, fulfilling life. Well, you know, you mentioned about uh, rather than maybe seeing this as a profession, it's a passion. Absolutely. So why do you use that word passion? Because it comes from my heart. Uh, For as long as I can remember, um, I've always wanted to make a difference, and I wasn't exactly sure how. I believe that, you know, my journey up until this point has come from a place of struggle. Mm -hmm. I say that because I grew up when it wasn't very multicultural where I lived, and I faced a lot of racism growing up. I was bullied in school quite badly, and I faced a lot of oppression growing up because I I do have a disability since birth, and uh, I'm visually impaired, and it has affected my life a lot. But my family, my support system has always, you know, encouraged me to not see that as a sort of a barrier, but sort of alternative ways what are other ways that you can actually learn and express yourself and connect with others and you know one of the most beautiful quotes that i've seen is by helen keller who says the most beautiful things in life cannot be seen or even touched they must be experienced with the heart and i think that because of my barriers and oppressions when other clients of mine or patients tell me about their struggle or their pain i might not know exactly what they're going through but i do know what it's like to be oppressed and i do know what adversity feels like and i know that a lot of times it's about you believing in yourself and your own capacities and if you have the right supports and the right resources you can live a fulfilling life and i i feel like i'm living proof of that and i really feel that for me it's a passion because i want to empower others to also see that in themselves well i see you know much of what you say it's part of my journey in the sense that uh when i learned 
early on in my professional world, which was really about my passion. We'll talk about that because we are connected mm -hmm. from our passions. That's right. That uh, the barriers that we might have felt at one time, we turn into opportunities. Mm -hmm. We reframe that as into possibilities and positivity of some form. Mm -hmm. And those struggles are the areas that many of us do promote to go to because it's area of growth and development mm -hmm. and if we evade that or avoid that mm -hmm. we're really you know not going to experience fully mm -hmm. the the wealth and the the greatness that the transformation of those situations can entail mm -hmm. going on the other side through it yeah and it's painful when you're going through it but yeah. after when you're looking back and seeing your journey you know, you're like, wow, I've overcome so much. Yeah. And now I kind of see, you know, even even the people who used to bully me, I started working with offenders in the justice system. I remember way back when I started working with you in, in mediation um, back in 2001. And um, I used to want to work with perpetrators of violence because I wanted to understand why do people want to be violent? Why do people want to hurt other people? And instead of just working with the victims, I wanted to understand the mentality of the offenders and I through that experience I saw that you know what a lot of these people who harm others they felt pain themselves and they were also victims at one time and sometimes you know violence just perpetrates more violence and it, it just is a vicious cycle so I wanted to be a part of that change and that's why mm -hmm. you know restorative justice mediation um, all of these things just became so important to me and that's why I wanted to become a mediator and why I wanted to be a social worker. So tell me about uh, how you define and who those are, the influencers in your life. So uh, definitely first and foremost, it's my family. Um, I grew up, I was very blessed to be not just raised by my parents, but my grandparents. And my grandparents raised me and my brother. My parents were new immigrants from India. And uh, my grandparents took care of me and my brother uh, growing up. And I was blessed to learn my, uh, not just about my spiritual faith, but my language, my culture, and uh, learning from the elders, which was very important to me. And my spiritual background, my spiritual faith is Sikhism. And the word Sikh means seeker of truth and knowledge. And ever since I grew up around the house, there were always books and we always talked philosophy and about spirituality and about, um, you know, giving to others. And in, in our spiritual faith, we believe in community service. One of the, our greatest tenets is, is to give back to the community in any way we can. And I was always taught that we are all different and all diverse, but we are all equal. And there's one creator. And, and so... That has been sort of what I have tried to do is be this universal person and not try, but that's who I am. It's, it's sort of how I feel. That's how you identify. And that's how I identify. And so when I see inequality and injustice and, and you know, people being treated uh, wrongly, I, it, it, it bothers me to the core. And so the profession of social work, my profession is is exactly what my dream is, is is to actually empower people to see that you know they are they do have value people do matter and everyone has a gift and everyone can contribute something so i think my influences are definitely my my spirituality my my family my my friends and um most recently i would say myself 
<laughs> and, I haven't and I would been really promote that and encourage that because yeah. I think in order to assist others or right. another, yeah. it must start with oneself. True. That's what I believe. True. Because how can I appreciate, and as you mentioned too, and uh, you know, having these opportunities of having these lived experiences that have been challenges for you, mm-hmm. have been great opportunities for you to learn of and about. Mm-hmm. And then when you engage with your clients or other people, mm-hmm. they have a better sense of appreciating you because in some way you've lived somewhat similar in some way, though of course they have ownership of their own lived experiences. They can appreciate that you have an understanding as to their circumstance. Mm-hmm. Right. So we do have a connection. We go back to the community mediation world in Toronto, mm-hmm. community development. That was at uh, Conflict Mediation Services of Downsview. That was in the Jane and Finch on Eddie Stone Avenue. And uh, I was managing the community program then. And you were part of the restorative justice program. Mm-hmm. And that was a couple of days ago. <laughs> sure. It was 20 years ago. I can't believe it. Yeah. Almost 20. Yeah, almost 20. Yeah, but I, I don't know. You, you, uh, you've held your, uh, your presence. Uh, what I mean by me is I've aged. You don't seem to have we, aged. We, we all age. But age is, age is really um, a number, and I feel that the older I get, the more things have become more clear. It's really interesting. Um, when you're younger, things are not as clear. And as, as I've gotten older and gone through my struggles and gone through school and just all my different ebbs and flows, I look back now on, and, and that time that we had together at Conflict Mediation Service of Downstreet, it's, it's very memorable to me because that's that's the heart of who I am as a person. Um, you know, yeah. I, I'm all about empowering the community and uh, working from a strengths-based approach, getting people mm-hmm. to see that they have strengths, even though they don't see them, but almost putting a mirror and showing this is what you are. You, you're, you have limitless potential if you just believe in yourself. And sadly, even though I preach this, myself, mm-hmm. it has taken me up until just last year when I turned 40 last year, it took me up until that long to finally say to myself for the first time, I love you. And that's where I connect with the word about self. Yeah. You know, in this world, we have a tendency to avert away from being selfish Mm -hmm. because it gives a certain representation to others that you're all about yourself. Mm -hmm. It's more starting with self and the Mm self-awareness, which then transcends to another, where you're trying to create a bridge or a connection Mm -hmm. with someone else for their benefit in some way. Because it's not about ourselves to remain as such in the selfish zone. Mm-hmm. It's to go forward and connect with someone else who's maybe experiencing some challenges or issues within their life. And from a spiritual perspective, we're all connected, right? We're we're all human beings. We're all human beings, right? We share this world. We share this planet, right? And yeah. so, absolutely. Yeah. So how, how how does this type of work affect or impact your mindset and doing? the kind of work you do and the efforts you do. So I actually feel very humbled and very blessed to do the work that I do uh, because I help people to identify, you know, what it is that they really want. And sometimes people don't actually know what makes them happy. They don't know why they feel overwhelmed or 
what they truly their their purpose is and sort of from a, a, a community development perspective when you're working with a, on a micro level with clients mm-hmm. you're asking them same thing what is your mission what's your vision what are your values and you've got to work from that place right because if you don't define that for yourself then you're you're living life but you're you're not really living to your purpose and you're living through someone else exactly. uh, and about their goals or their needs and interests exactly so a lot of it is actually unlearning um the conditioning that society has placed on us about you know what we should look like and and you know how we should aspire to be and we should be wealthy and this and that so i find a lot of people get depressed Uh, depression is very high in north america surprisingly and it's the third world uh you know like first world country supposedly Mm -hmm. but it's because i i think there's a lot of pressure on people to be a certain way or act a certain way and people don't actually know what they want so it's about sort of deconditioning all the learned sort of socialization that we've gone through and deconstruct that and say what makes me happy and and truly I think relationships and connecting with others Mm -hmm. and live connection of lived experience that is what makes people happy and whole right having a connection to yourself as well as your communities that you belong to that is the true meaning yeah Mm -hmm. that's what you know i'm all about relational approaches Mm -hmm. mediation relational transformational so in in terms of uh with the things that you value i mean you've mentioned some things Mm -hmm. are there things that you want to really emphasize as the things that you value in life that connects with the purpose of your work and how you navigate along your journey so you know, for me, I think I'm a true peace activist. I, I really believe in nonviolence, not just because of sort of my experience with bullying, but in general, if you look at the world today and you look at how much um, how much violence there is—not just physical violence, but uh, emotional and you know financial and just intimidation—there's all various forms of violence that people perpetrate on others and. It comes from pain, right? And I, when I talk on social media and I post things, I talk a lot about forgiveness and I talk about restoration and I talk about these things because it's a cycle that when people feel pain, they hurt others. And the only way to stop this vicious cycle is to pause, to reflect, to kind of try to understand the other person's perspective even though it's hard to do Mm -hmm. right it's really hard like i mean when i used to you know work uh, in the justice system i remember the victim offender mediation that we used to do and i mean you're looking at somebody who's raped your daughter and you say i forgive you i mean it's it's not an easy thing to do but you know if if we don't do that we hurt because holding anger for so long it destroys a person's soul it it hurts you more um living with that kind of grief and pain so 
I, I really, when I work with people, I, I do do anger management, I do anxiety management, depression management, things like that. And the reason why I always emphasize that this is called management, it doesn't mean eradication, right? You're not trying to get rid of your anger or get rid of your, uh, your emotions. To, to expunge it from your whole no, being. No, because we are emotional beings, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that you get angry, that lets you know physiologically that something is wrong, something has harmed you something has you know and anxiety is a primitive emotion it's it's for us to be cautious and to protect ourselves which are good things but what happens is when we go into overdrive we become overprotective or um, you know then it becomes the other extreme and it's our behaviors so what I do is I specialize in cognitive behavioral therapy and um, I also do mindfulness based stress reduction with my clients but specifically with that modality which is evidence based approach is we try to help people to identify their extreme cognitive distortions right that impact how strong they feel that emotion, right? Like how high their arousal is depending on what they're telling themselves. And then that is what leads to the behavioral outcome. So if somebody wants to change their behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, committing, uh, you know, a felony, for example, or, or something that is an extreme type of negative behavior, how can we then go back and change our extreme thinking so that we can modulate our emotions? So that's sort of the type of work that I do. Yeah, and in terms of my world of working with people in conflict or mm-hmm. challenges, mm-hmm. I'm not seeking to assist people to change their behavior. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to work with the mindset. Mm-hmm. Because my belief is that it's the mindset, the attitude that drives the behavior. Mm -hmm. And so if we only fixate ourselves on behavior, Mm -hmm. you might get a change that happens for a short period, and then it's going to unravel because Mm -hmm. the root of that behavior is driven by the thinking the mindset absolutely they're thinking and it's their motivation level so when i used to teach the mandated programs the uh, community justice programs i had a bunch of people in my classroom who were like i didn't do anything the police officer mm-hmm. just picked me up and i i don't think i have an anger problem so that's different from working with people who are coming to me and say you know what i i hurt my child and i feel ashamed and i i need to change this i i need to work on this if i want to hold on to my family so if you have an internal motivation to make a change, you're more likely to get somewhere with someone. And I think something you mentioned earlier, if mm-hmm. you feel assisted and supported yes. through that journey mm-hmm. to change or of change, mm-hmm. there's a higher probability, from my experience, mm-hmm. that people will actually engage in that process. Mm-hmm. If we just tell people, go change, no. they're not yeah. gonna re- it's not going to resonate with them and connect. I think the empathic approach... Compassion, working along in the supportive, assistive way, mm-hmm. has resonated and does resonate, from my experience, much more effectively with people. Absolutely. And the first thing you have to do, so I offer, like, you know, as a social worker, a confidential, safe place for people to express themselves. You know, obviously with the parameters of the fact that if they threaten to harm themselves or someone else, I have a duty to report that information. But despite that, once people feel comfortable and there's sort of like this um, rapport that's built, you can work from there to really get people to 
unearth what they're they're feeling deeply mm-hmm. in their heart, right? And that empathy or that normalizing their feelings. So even if I don't agree with what they've done, me saying, you know what, I can only imagine how difficult that must be for you, right? right? And just validating their experience that way, that goes a long way to kind of working towards that motivation. Yeah, you're using the empathy to create the connection mm-hmm. that uh, you're not there in judgment. Exactly. Because that's the worst thing people do not want. They're not going to open up. They're not going to provide a space for trust to be built mm-hmm. where they're going to feel to trust you. And so you feel entrusted with their particular circumstances. Yeah. Trust is a very important, when you were talking about values, with everything in life, right? So if you don't trust yourself or you don't trust others, you're going to have all kinds of problems in life, right? Mm-hmm. And the people are, try to be overprotective or a lot of anxiety or a lot of anger is because they, they lack trust, right? Um, so, so it's kind of sometimes getting to the root of the core beliefs and the core values that sort of lead to those outcomes. So what do you try to, how do you try to express your perspective as to your values? How do you get that out there yeah so that's what's been really great um in the last few years i've gone um gotten a lot into social media and i think it's such a great platform the technological revolution has really provided this platform for all of us to engage dialectically and connect with one another i have people from all over the world that i connect with through that medium and you know finding images because i find images and artwork now very powerful to kind of uh, resonate an image or a message that i want to express and i find that universally across the board uh, regardless of you know culture or race or gender or anything, you know, people feel these things that I talk about on social media about about pain and forgiveness and and self love and empowerment and freedom and and all of these ideas. I think is is sort of everyone is sort of going through this, and it's wonderful opportunity. That's how we reconnected as well, which is great. And I've had the uh, opportunity to actually connect with uh, another group called Pink Thursday. And they're out in Vancouver, and uh, they do anti-bullying uh, campaigning. So I've been working a lot with them to, you know, talk about respect and support and love. And so we we have sort of a movement going of people all over the world engaged in that conversation. And another group outside in Seattle, Interviews Productions, I, I work with them. I provided some consulting, but I also started doing some modeling for them and uh, being in fashion shows. And it was just, again, a great opportunity to connect with and meet with people from all over the world and and just have conversations about the things that we have in common right and um, and the promotion of diversity and tolerance saying that yes we're all different but you know what we're all equal and we're all connected yes even with our differences that there's always going to be the substantive the bottom line is that we're all human beings and yes we identify differently we have different values we're connected, um, and the opportunity is going to be there. Mm-hmm. If we can provide the space and the place mm-hmm. for people to feel the sense of openness mm-hmm. to enter within and then journey along and through mm-hmm. to hopefully a better place, as they define, because I really promote about self-determination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's part of our community development work. Absolutely. <laughs> so... What does it mean to you, then, 
to be able to express all these values, and especially through a social media context. It's, it's just, it's empowering. I feel for the first time in my life, I, I feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, I, I've, I've lived with disabilities, like I said, my, my whole life. Uh, this past year, I actually went through major surgery. And, you know, I didn't feel as strong as uh, uh, I had. Um, but I, I put myself through a lot of stress and a lot of things. But I reached out and I was authentic uh, with, you know, with, with people on social media. And I said, you know, have you struggled with pain and, and overcoming pain and challenges? Everyone has. So, so the thing is that I feel like I can be myself. Mm-hmm. I feel that I'm empowered to express myself in creative and nuanced ways. I never thought in a million years I would be, you know, consulting for, uh, you know, production companies in Seattle or modeling or, you know, just meeting people from around the world. I even got an invitation to go to India um, for this uh, project called Bookum, which is sort of to empower young women um, in education, to promote education in India. And so they're having like a fashion show to with uh, ladies holding books to, to kind of encourage women to go to school so I, I've gotten involved with all kinds of projects around the world uh, just through my social media presence because people are hearing what I'm saying people are resonating with that message and there it's it's going viral and it's very exciting and it, it's it's I feel like I'm a part of a global community and and that's wonderful and they're appreciating that big message we try to convey you're not alone no. People are such as yourself. You're yeah. not alone. Exactly. You put yourself out there. You made yourself in a vulnerable place and space, mm-hmm. yet you did it th- intentionally, and other people see the power with that. Mm-hmm. How, how do you identify the effectiveness of you know making these connections? How do you know they actually make a difference? Well, sometimes people tell me, and uh, that's really nice to hear, and I say, you know, this is really change the way I think about things. Um, clients sometimes tell me that. But, you know, sometimes uh, the truth is that you, you don't hear from people. Like when I do my work in, in therapy and counseling, sometimes you hope, you know, people do benefit or, or do, you know, because you're teaching them new skills. And it, a lot of it is conditioning and, and creating new habits and new routines and thinking differently. And, and changing the way you think is not always easy, right? Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a struggle for all of us. And so sometimes if I don't ever hear from my clients again, then I hope they're doing great. Maybe but that's a good thing in some ways. <laughs> it's a ways. good thing. Right? But, but sometimes there's no closure. And so what I've actually learned to do recently, this was always one of my flaws, was um, I always look for, um, you know, a positive outcome. Like, a lot of things in life, we cannot predict the, the outcome. So I have learned to let go of any expectations. I actually have... Good. No expectations, which is really hard. It was really hard for me to do before. But I I realized that sometimes things supersede my expectations. Sometimes things are way better than I ever expected in my wildest dreams. And sometimes things are a lot worse. So really, the most important thing is what Eckhart Tolle says, who is also one of my, you know, mentors, one of the people I I really respect, and I've read a lot of his books, is, is that it's important to live in the present moment. Right, because all we have is the here and the now, right? We don't have the past, and and we can't live in the past, and we can't also live in the future, because the future is not promised to anyone, right? So we have to look look at our current resources and what we have right now, and be mindful of all of that, 
and see what we can do and enjoy today right enjoy today and not always look for the destination look for the process and enjoy the journey and that is really one of the messages i want to get across yeah and i see as a mediator facilitator it's part of my role or responsibility to create conditions Mm -hmm. for people to be able to connect with in some way. Mm -hmm. I don't take ownership of their lived experience. If I can create a pathway of some form that people will connect with or identify with, they have ownership on how they navigate that. Mm -hmm. And the idea, though, is that if they feel supported and assisted, there's a higher probability that they're going to navigate through that and along that to hopefully that better place as i mentioned earlier yeah so yeah like one of the fundamental principles of community development in general is to engage the people who you're creating the agreement for so they if they have more buy-in if they are speaking to that they're more likely to respect that agreement and follow through with it yeah because we know we get together at a certain moment of their lives. Yeah. If they make the decisions, which is all about mediation, is ownership rests with the individuals who are living the experiences, they have the responsibility then of following through with those afterwards. We don't create a codependency where we're always trying to be the managing their outcomes. Mm -hmm. They have ownership to take over that responsibility and create the pathway and the outcomes that they determine. So your point about not hearing from people, that can be good. Mm -hmm. And at other times, well, you know, when you don't hear, you're hoping for the best. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't like to use this as an analogy, but it's kind of like parenting, right? And, and you know, we, you know, we have to kind of give people the tools and the skills, but yeah. we can't manage them because that's not really helping. And when people say they're a helping professional, helping is not doing it for them. Helping is to empower them to learn the new skills, learn the new coping so that they can manage successfully on their own. So what challenges do you experience in doing this type of work? So my greatest challenge before was honestly the expectations. Um, I went to school for many years. I have, uh, you know, three master's degrees. I I went to Cambridge. I went to uh, Wilfrid Laurier. I I learned a lot about all different interventions and processes and how to do things perfectly. And then it's real life. And real life is different from all the books. All the theory. All the theory. It's it's the practice. And so when I wouldn't, when I would be working with people with addictions or working with people with different mental health, I'm like, well, why aren't these interventions working? I've uh-huh. tried this, and you know, this box is checked off, and I'm calculating these outcome measures, but it's not working. And then I realized this is just this is not life. They're, <laughs> so, hypo- they're hypothetical. They're hypothetical. So the, the the thing is, you you have to meet the clients where they're at. Uh-huh. That's the number one thing. You ha- you have to see what what their skills are, their resources are, what's going on for them. And every individual is different. Everyone has different capacities and abilities to absorb and learn material in different ways. And so what one of the struggles was for me was the expectation, which, like I said, I've let go of. And I actually feel very humbled that I learn from my clients every single day. And one of the greatest things I've learned is, especially working with folks um, with trauma, is that the way we process trauma, the way we 
people process grief is can can look very different, and some people don't even have vocabulary uh, to to express it. So we can't expect everyone to be verbal. So now I've gone more into art therapy and you know allowing people to express their feelings through music or through other mediums and diverse approaches mm-hmm. because we we all kind of express differently, right? Well, we process our moments yeah. as we live them. Yeah. differently from one to the other and so why is it not an opportunity for people to have that power yes. to, to self-identify and self-determine mm-hmm. to self-express mm-hmm. and if we create the formulation plan and all of this you know pretty stuff that might not work from them that might be a construct that we're creating that mm-hmm. is 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 it's wrong and it's about all. us more about than exactly, about them exactly exactly right. so so when you're working from a strengths based anti oppressive approach that's what it's about it's about shedding all of that and just looking at that person and you know getting from them what they would like to see for themselves yeah the concept i see of individuality yeah the power within mm-hmm. and you know the strength base or asset base where people have those skills within mm-hmm. they just may not have tapped into it mm-hmm. uh, to the full extent that they could mm-hmm. and so if they or have they may not know they have it that's, they're not e- yeah the <laughs> yeah. self-awareness is yeah. not necessarily resonating with them at that point exactly exactly this is why i also got into mindfulness um you know as a part of our culture as well is uh, yoga and meditation practice but um i've also uh, in in the recent years for self-care purposes you know started meditating more on my heart and um and using that to kind of train my clients as well to like just listen to their intuition listen to their gut Mm -hmm. and and what do they feel and where where are they feeling those emotions and what part of their body are they experiencing that and tell me about that let's explore that help me to identify what what's going on with you so yeah connecting within oneself how are you affected their work you do with people who you know who are so different in their different ways of experiencing their lived stuff because you're an individual too oh yeah um so for the past 20 years i have been working in a range of different social settings and with different populations and I've learned so much. So, I mean, as I mentioned, I work with offenders, but I've also worked in hospital settings, working with cancer patients, working with people who are on their deathbed who are going through MAID, uh, medical assistance in dying. Uh, I've worked with abused women. I've worked with at-risk youth. So I, I've sort of seen a spectrum of different types of people and different cultures and genders and all kinds of diversity. And so um, it's, it's, it's ex- I enjoy enjoy learning from others because there is no one right way like I said so it it has been um, uh, you know it's been challenging because I have to put aside like everyone everyone has their own biases and judgments and trying to be more open to their experience because I can't be culturally sensitive to everyone I can't be culturally appropriate to everyone that when people use that language I don't think that we can because not everyone defines things the same way and do we know everything about everyone we don't (laughs) so it's impossible so we have to just go to that individual and say what does this mean for you what does that look like for you right like for example yes my parents are uh, my 
parents are both from India. Um, do I consider myself Indian? Yes, but I also consider myself Canadian, right? So I have a sort of cross-cultural uh, lens. Um, somebody else might identify more with one part of their cultural identity than others or part of their sexuality or mm-hmm. you know, age or whatever. So it's really for that person how they define themselves. Right, self-identifying. You know, in terms of um, how do you self-care then? Because you are right. dealing with a lot of crisis, trauma, grief. Yeah, so, yeah, sorry to answer your question. Um, I, I have gotten out of that heavy work that I used to do uh, with the offenders in the justice system and with those, you know, medical cases that were very intense because I am an emotional person and I'm very compassionate and I I was finding it was becoming really difficult for me. Do you, do you see yourself as an empath? I'm definitely an empath and I would I would take on a lot of people's mm-hmm. emotions um, you know it's what makes me great at what I do but it also what makes me suffer the most so uh, basically I've had to now I've really changed the type of work I do so I don't make as much money as I used to but um, I have uh, you know started doing counseling uh, over the phone or through video and more short term like uh, solution focused and you know CBT type of EAP counseling services rather than um, you know long term intensive treatment that kind of stuff or working in institutions uh, just because I just I found it was exhausting me. It affected my marriage. I had a divorce. I, it affected my, you know, even my physical chronic pain symptoms became inflamed and worse. Um, you know, in terms of every in in every way, let's just say that it really affected me. So. Yeah, I mean, as a human being, and the work you do yeah. goes to vulnerable places for other people. Yeah. At the same time, you as an empath and as a sensitive person yeah. who provides that space and place for empathy to, to be flourishing, mm-hmm. you're going to be affected mm-hmm. by those circumstances of other people. Yes, yeah. And how do you navigate those yeah. in a way that provides effective assistance to people mm-hmm. and at the same time provides that you are going to be effective for yourself? Yeah. So what I do now is I schedule one hour between my sessions with clients so that it allows me time to you know, process what I've just done with the client. Mm-hmm. I, I do some meditation in between sessions, do some deep breathing, then go back and write my notes and then... Uh, get ready for my next client. So I, uh, some people can do client after client. I, I find I need that one hour break. You got to organize, you know, <laughs> yeah. your own way. Yeah. You know yourself best. Exactly. So what does having this conversation mean to you? You know, I really want to thank you, Greg. Um, it really gives me an opportunity to reflect on my lived experience, on why I do what I do how I've come to this point. Uh, seeing you after 20 years, it's, uh, it's, it's really nice that we still have stayed connected, you know? And yeah, even if we didn't have the physical connection, there right. was some kind of yes. spirituality yeah. or something. I believe that. I believe that people who have similar values and um, they, they connect on a different level, a different vibration. Yeah, regardless of the uh, amount of time that may have journeyed by, from being physically in the same place or speaking on the phone or contacting each other by email, that there's still that semblance of connection that will 
ever last as a legacy of the previous relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You're involved with uh, a project right now. You're wearing something on your a sash. <laughs> yes. You want to explain a little bit about that? Sure. So I never thought this would happen in a million years, but I, um, I actually am the title holder for uh, Miss Galaxy Mississauga. And um, I started my modeling journey just this past year after I turned 40, and it just sort of happened. It wasn't that I was looking for it. It found me. So in, in a nutshell, I just, um, I'm just o- I'm somebody who's open to different experiences, and I was approached, and I thought, why not? What do I have to lose? So, you know, uh, for a girl who used to not feel good about herself and who had low self-esteem, to now uh, be someone who can, you know, say why not right i i'm i'm proud of who i am and i love who i am and you know um this is who i am so this is a platform for me to actually make appearances in the community to share my views uh, so it's not just a beauty pageant but it's sort of looking at a holistic kind of person and so it allows me that opportunity to express myself well it's the means to a bigger goal exactly right thank you for Wearing your sash. We'll take some photos and we'll put that out there for public consumption. In terms of your professional, what are some of the things that people in your position don't necessarily consider or fully consider or factor in when dealing with people's struggles or trauma? So I think some people don't realize that they are biased and they are judgmental. Um, some people think some people are this way or that way and we have our own cognitive distortions our own biases and so a lot of this work is unpacking what we think right so being an empty slate and it's hard because we're human beings so we like to kind of say oh those kind of people are like this and this is how we should work with this type of person Mm -hmm. but it's sort of putting that aside as as a person with disabilities i can say that you know never work with somebody and say oh this person has this problem the the problem is not the person right I'm a person with disabilities. I'm not a disability. I don't wear my disability on my sash that this is what I am. Mm-hmm. This is a label and it minimizes and, and marginalizes. marginalizes and confines me into yeah. a box, into a space. But we, we all have different forms of barriers and challenges or oppressions and they can intersect, but, but they're also uniquely different. So, you know, if somebody says, oh, I know exactly what you're going through, if a therapist says that to you that's not right because you you don't know exactly what somebody's going through you can say that i can empathize you know i I, you know i i can only imagine what you're going through but Mm -hmm. to tell somebody that that is i think not correct um i think we need to listen more yeah then give our opinions or our judgments or give that space the ownership of that space yeah to the person with whom we're engaging Absolutely. So that it's not about us. Mm-hmm. I learned this a long time ago at CMSD, mm-hmm. doing the work, is that it wasn't about me. If I was wanting to do community development work, I had to understand it was about the individuals with whom we were engaging to try to assist and support for them to navigate their own way as they defined and determined, mm-hmm. because that's the true power. Yeah, and I also think sometimes therapists get frustrated because why doesn't this person just get this this is such a simple thing to understand Mm -hmm. 
Not necessarily, right? And remember, this is a new language for people and it's a new space and, and some things are not working. Maybe it's the therapist intervention, the way they're approaching it is is not resonating. It's not for effective that for that it's person. It's not effective for that person, yeah. So what are you looking for people to better understand from our conversation? So number one, self-love and self-respect is so important. Without that, you know, without knowing what your internal strengths are, you can't really help others. You can't really know how to connect with others until you've connected with yourself inside. So I, I really started to, in the past few years, do more meditation, go inward, um, you know, and and love myself. And I found that my 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 love for myself and my connection with others has really just just blossomed on its own and so i i hope that that does resonate for people that e- people can change right um if they want to change and i i want people to um understand that self-care is important helping people is important but helping how is also important so we're not doing the work for others what we're trying to do is empower others to make the changes that they want to see in their own lives but we all can make a difference we can all make an impact yeah you know that people have that ownership they may not realize they have it Mm -hmm. and so it, it does take different people, different amount of effort and different times, if ever, mm-hmm. they do connect with this whole concept of what we're trying to encourage, promote about connecting with oneself mm-hmm. and not to feel that it's wrong to do so. Mm-hmm. I think a resistance is society overall says, don't be that selfish person. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and self-love is not narcissism. No. Right? And it's it's good to feel confident and proud of yourself, and I, I think that's amazing, right? So, so what, what can you suggest for people going through a personal struggle or some form of trauma at this time? So, unfortunately, there's still so much uh, shame and stigma out there to getting support and help for mental health issues. And, you know, you're not alone, like we talked about before. I mean, uh, social media is evidence. I mean, I have sometimes 5,000, I have 5,000, over 5,000 followers right now who tell me, yes, I, I, I totally feel what you're saying. I, I understand. I've been there and I get sent all these messages. So we are not alone. And, you know, through Pink Thursday, for example, that campaign has gone viral all over the world. And we're trying to build a movement of support and respect and love all over the world to 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 show people that you know what harm brings more harm pain brings more pain forgiveness love you know respect for others diversity this is how we can build a stronger world a more peaceful world and at the very core i'm a peace activist i mean i'm i'm a mediator I want to bring people together. I believe my life's purpose is really to help people connect. Are you not just a dreamer, then? I am. I'm a dreamer, but it can happen. I know it can. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you appreciate that, you know, it's one person at a time. Yeah. You're not trying to transform or get the world to transform all at once. No. Because realistically, that will never happen. But collectively, we're powerful, right? And if everyone says the same thing Mm -hmm. over and over, and it goes viral, and and we build that movement together, together things can change and things can shift right and so we have to have that 
perspective of our expectations yes. in that kind of level. Yes, yes. Right? Which is, I've had to tame that, like I said, it, you know, I used to be a very strong activist before, back yeah. in university, but I've I've learned to say, you know what, I'm not look. I'm doing the work, but I'm not looking for the outcome, which is hard, right? So I still hope for that, but I'm not expecting a specific way it's going to look. Yeah, right? so you're connected to the moment as yes. it's happening. Yes, the present moment. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your future intentions as to uh, your efforts to uh, assist and support people? What so do you see going forward? I, I actually believe the second half of my life is the beginning. I feel like it's 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 a whole new world. 2020, look out. Um, I'm hoping to do more work globally. I, I want to do some community development work in, in India. I want to get involved with more social campaigns and social justice things. And um, I feel like I'm finally, like I said, in my own element. I'm feeling like myself. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm excited to just get involved with more community projects. So what do you see with uh, the Miss Galaxy? Because there is a pageant, right? Yeah, so the nationals are happening September 2020. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, from there, you know, whoever gets selected would uh, would compete internationally. And again, it's a platform for, for, for me and for others uh, like me to express our, our views and our ideas and to get our messages out there. And then um, through that sort of mechanism, through that platform, I'll be able to build more public support for, for this message that I have, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like reaching out. Yeah, outreach. Yeah, outreach is a community word, development word. Yeah. It's just getting the message out there in a manner, in a different manner for different kinds of people, mm-hmm. and that's the essence of our our topic t- title: diverse forms of, of expressing and connecting. Whether it's through music, mm-hmm. through its words, uh, lyrics, mm-hmm. poetry, literature. Other forms that uh, art. Yeah, other ways of engaging with people. I yeah. mean, I think that we don't use our creative side enough. And in the past few years, I've I've really started to come out of my my shell and you know just um, start uh, you know even modeling and uh, that whole fashion industry and you know just uh, finding different ways to express my my what's what I feel for my passion inside. So it's it's been beautiful. Yeah, so that must be powerful for you, uh, you know, to say, hey, I used to be this kind of person. Mm-hmm. And what was your limitation? Your mindset. You're thinking about oneself. Yeah, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe I was, um, I was good enough in so many ways. Actually, teachers used to tell my parents that your daughter will probably never make it past high school. And, you know, I... I have three master's degrees and I went to University of Cambridge despite having a visual impairment, despite having chronic health issues. I I have done so much more than I ever thought I could do. So just continue on that path. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, I say there's no limitation except the limitations we place on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So thanks very much for coming tonight. Thank you so and, much and for sharing this me. conversation. Yeah, I really appreciate it, Greg. Thank you. Okay. You've been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA 1610 AM.